There we go. We're live. Welcome to Happy Hour. This is PT Pinecast, a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. The best conversations happen at Happy Hour. Welcome to ours. I'm Joe McCabe, your host, broadcasting live from the Arius Medical Studios, also known as, well, it's just my bedroom, guys. I'm just going to level with you. Uh, find them online at aureusmedical.com. They're the leaders in hashtag travel PT. Uh, let your PT license take you where you want to go online again, aureusmedical.com. A lot of people, uh, being put back to work. Good sign when the, uh, those essential workers. So again, let your PT license take you where you want to go online, aureusmedical.com. Subscribe to the show, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Deezer, Radio, Stitcher, all that. And now video casting. My mom said I had the face for radio. She was right. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, on the socials, at PT Pinecast. Great show for you tonight. We're talking oncology PT, or is it oncologic PT? We're going to find out. She's the host of the Onco PT Podcast, lover of all things cancer and lymphedema rehab, also passionate about improving the lives of cancer survivors everywhere. He works with bone marrow transplant patients at the University of Florida Shands Cancer Center, hailing from Gainesville, a.k.a. The Swamp, measuring five foot seven on a good day, and the man with the van. I got to find out the man with the van. Welcome Elise Cantu and Shai Sewell onto the show. Yay, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Nice. How exciting. Program. Hell of an intro. We got your social channels up on the screen. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming. We get the hard questions out of the way first first uh what are we drinking i will lead off i'm doing a shock top because my brother was nice enough to pick some of these up so i've got a little bit of the orange flavored wheat beer going in the uh the pt pinecast uh marymount glass are you guys imbibing tonight we do not yes. discriminate but i just wanted yes. to see what do you got there elise I've got some lovely bullet bourbon I on the rocks. Have, yeah I, the, that's always a good idea i was having some yeah. old fashions the other day nice. I, got? i've got a. it's from orpheus brewing out in georgia um, and it's called Transmigration of Souls. It's a double IPA. I feel like we're getting that. It's very 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Transmigration yeah. of Souls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, getting, it, we're going four dimensions with the beer now. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> go to, do you guys have, we have beer worlds, uh, like a chain of like, you know, like craft brewery play, you know, like a beer mall or whatever now. In the, in the area I live in, New York. And there are some crazy, crazy can designs and crazy, crazy names of beer. And they're doing crazy. Like, we're just trying to outdo each other with the just absolute just craziness of beer. Have you ever heard of the Sweet Baby Jesus? Uh, no. no. No, I haven't. No. And peanut butter beer. And I'll be honest, I'm not sponsored by them. It's because it's horrible. Like, I love chocolate. <laughs> I love peanut butter. And I do love beer. But you should not. That's it's a it's a bad thing. There are some things uh, you just don't mix. Don't miss that. It's a bad. It's a bad thing. All right. So uh, we we're talking about oncology PT, oncologic PT. Is it just two different ways to say the same thing? One sounds fancy, or what's the deal here? I think they both sound pretty fancy, but yeah, they're the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because it's the Academy of Oncologic Physical Therapy. Shai, you work yeah. with uh, you work with the Academy doing some social media stuff and new professional sig. Talk about that for a second. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, the social media stuff is pretty straightforward. I work with the, the Twitter and Facebook account. Um, I've been doing that for about two years and this, it's been really exciting. It helps me stay a little up to date on the research because I sort of post articles from, you know, I don't, I try not to go further back than like two or three years, which is <clears throat> good for me, but it also nice for people who want to keep up with um, sort of the, uh, the cancer that's being highlighted that month. And the student and new professional group, which is great, is for people who are still students who are interested and um, those who are uh, new professionals, new grads, who are interested, who haven't had much experience, um, like myself. So it's it's a great opportunity to learn, um, to get involved, first off, which is, which is great. It gets people sort of into the um, academy and to see what it's like to um, be part of that community. And then um, not only that, but it gets you a chance to uh, be sort of part of a group that's really interested. Um, yeah. And you get to learn, which is great, and, and get a community. I feel like, you know, a lot of people might not even know all the different components of the APTA and, you know, the Academy of Oncologic Physical Therapy. That's a component. Stands on its own. Academy of. And it's got its own special interest groups in there. You mentioned in the, uh, the new professional SIG and, and doing some social media with that. Always a great way. I tell people, if you're thinking about it, take a test drive with a, an academy or a section. Just take it, take it for a year, right? It's going to be a couple bucks. And if you don't feel that return on investment right away, you will. But if you don't, dip but the other thing i tell people all the time and i didn't realize this i think i was still a student 
And uh, the SIGs, if you're a member of a component, all the SIGs are free. Just join. Just, just check all the boxes. And then if you're like, eh, not so much this, but more this, just unsubscribe. But jump in so you know what you're missing. So um, wanted to start there because I feel like that's what you just mentioned, Shad, which is like, just a good way to dip your toe in the water. If you're like, if I think I might be interested as a student. I think, you know, maybe I want to head this this way in terms of working with uh, patients living and surviving with cancer or lymphedema or both. If I'm interested in that, the Academy of seems like a pretty good solid place to start. So how'd you guys get into this uh, ballpark for me? Elise, Shy, like how, how fresh are you in terms of uh, jumping into the, the world of PT? When did you guys uh, graduate, get your license, all that? Yeah. So I, I graduated in 2018. That's when I got my license, started practicing. So still very, very fresh. Um, and how I really got into this was I, my family's actually been into cancer care for many, many years. My mom is a longtime oncology nurse. My sister is an oncology nurse. And I really liked the idea of working in cancer care, but didn't know how PT fit into it, which is what I knew that I wanted to do actually until I went to CSM a few years ago as a student and went to a same thing, a section course and was just blown away. And yeah, I'm kind of kicking myself because I didn't hear anything about it until I think that point. And that's things just fell together after that. So family affair for you. So, so yeah. you knew you wanted to go into healthcare, I'm guessing, because the family, you know, the, 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 the mom, the sister, but right. you just, the PT was the channel. How did you get exposed to the fact that, Hey, listen, Hey, physical therapist, we're with patients, you know, during and, and post-cancer. How, how'd you trip across that? So I knew PT was for me, but it really wasn't until that first course where like I knew cancer care was cool and it really just, I honestly couldn't even tell you what that first course was. It was, I think so mind blowing that it just, it was like everything started fresh after I left that CSM. And I went right back to my uh, clinical, my director of clinical education at school and said, I don't care what you have to do. I need to be a part of this. And so yeah. he wrangled it to where my last clinical was entirely oncology care and uh, just so, so cool. And so after that, that's when I got my first job in oncology care when I was working in an outpatient oncology clinic with a PT clinic inside of it. And that, you know, kind of wrote the story from there. I can tell you don't seem excited about this at all. So no, nope, not at all. Okay. Not uh, at all. Shy, same thing about you, man. Uh, you know, graduated. How'd you know you wanted to get into this, this type of, of, of care? Yeah, I had uh, I had family who was um, who had had the diagnosis of cancer, and so for me, it was sort of I knew I was going the physical therapy route. Um, I just didn't know that I wanted to go the oncology route. And in fact, I sort of wanted to do ICU because I had some experience when I was um, shadowing in the ICU, and so. When I, when my family, part of my family's diagnosed, then I decided to sort of dig into that a bit, a bit more. Um, like at least I had the opportunity to have an internship um, in outpatient lymphedema care, and really loved it. And when I graduated, you know, those jobs are sort of hard to find. It's not yeah. easy. They're either created um, through hard work and time, or you know, you sort of find someone or know someone who has an opportunity opening up during that time period. And I was lucky to get a job in the inpatient setting with bone marrow transplant, essentially right out of school. And um, since then I've just been very, because I love the ICU and I love acute care, that was just sort of a perfect mesh of acute care, oncology, and that is what I do. And it's, it's really awesome, yeah. Love that. Uh, questions and comments. We want to let people know if they're watching this live or, or the replay. Let us know where you're watching or listening from uh, in the comments on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Um, and if you have questions for Elise or for Shy, feel free to drop those in and we'll get to them at the end. But I want to start big to small. So when someone finds out you're a physical therapist, probably they just assume you work outpatient like most people when they find out you're a physical therapist. But then you get to tell them, hey, no, I work, I work in oncology. I work with, with these types of patients. How do you describe what it is and who you get to work with? Same question for both of you. We'll start with Elise. Yeah. So I tell people I work with patients who have been diagnosed with cancer, either right after diagnosis, during treatment, or after treatment. Anywhere, you know, during curative care. So we're actually trying to cure the cancer with the treatment that the patient's doing throughout the lifespan. Um, I even work with patients right up until they unfortunately pass away. And 
it's a really, really beautiful thing to be able to serve patients in that capacity truly throughout the lifespan. Um, I do work more with adults. I don't have any experience in pediatrics at this point, but that's kind of the skinny on what I tell people. And I think even for people inside of oncology, there's this idea of, oh, patients with cancer are, are fragile. We, we shouldn't touch them. We might hurt them. And the reality is, no, they're not. They're very resilient mentally, emotionally, and physically. And we can help them in so many different ways that I'm really, really excited to get into it later in the podcast. Yeah, I want to get into that. And if you, do you guys know uh, Dr. Leslie Walkie? Uh, she's an uh, oncology, just kind of, I mean, and just making awesome videos and great content out yes. there. She primarily points her content towards patients or caregivers of. Mm -hmm. And she, I mean, as you're saying that, I'm just nodding along because if, you know, if Leslie's watching live or, or listening later, she's going to go, hell, she's screaming, hell yeah, at the screen. And that comes up a lot, which is, oh my gosh, you've got, she calls it the big C. You got the big C. We got to sit down and rest. Everybody relax. Exactly. Don't, exactly. Don't, don't do anything and don't stress yourself. And she goes, no, uh, uh, we know science tells us it's actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. we, you can, you can be, uh, you know, really working those patients hard. In fact, we have to, uh, shy, same thing. When you get asked this question, when this comes up at a barbecue or something, you're like, you're a PT, but cancer. Well, how do you describe it? Yeah. And you know, when I say I work in the acute setting, first off, people are like, well, what do you have to do in the acute setting? Right. And, uh, and from a PT perspective, oftentimes there's this, or even a, a medicine pr perspective, it's sort of like, oh, you're, you're walking patients. Right. And I think from, um, in a, in the bone marrow transplant world, which is a, a very unique world, you know, patients are admitted usually, um, for a minimum of three weeks. And wow. so it's not like you're going in for maybe an orthopedic surgery. And if there's a bad side effect or, you know, you don't the surgery doesn't go well, um, you may stay for a week or so, maybe a little bit longer, depending on what happens. But here you are coming in for three weeks. That is a done deal. And you can stay for much longer. So for me, it's um, seeing them from that, that continuation of day one where they may walk in, they may feel good through their, um, through their treatment. And these treatments are intense. Um, and so, you know, what I usually tell people is um, that I just make sure that patients are able to um, maintain their quality of life. And I think that's, a, that's the important thing to take away. And, you know, at least hit on the head there, they're resilient. I mean, they're not fragile. And um, it's, it's sometimes up to us as rehab specialists to persuade them of that, right? They're, they're oftentimes fearful themselves and they, they read too much almost sometimes, or they may listen too much or over misinterpret some of the things doctors or nurses tell them and um, not to their fault, but that, you know, we see they actually do well. They do really well and they can do more than they ever thought they could. Yeah. You're fighting some stigmas for a couple of groups that you mentioned. Number one, the, the patients, number two, like kind of their environment, the, you know, their caregivers and family and friends, uh, you know, probably some Dr. Googles going mm -hmm. on there too. Yeah. And then even, even when in, inside the, uh, the medical community, but before we hit uh, broadcast, we were talking about this before the, the show, you know, acute care, you know, on oncology, physical therapy, and I feel like PT in the emergency department, there are two areas where, yes, I feel like amongst the therapists that are established and working there, it's like, well, this is common knowledge. Everybody knows about this. They don't. They're just getting used to this. I mean, we, the, the often cited um, timetable from published evidence into practice is what, 17 years? That's the, that's the stat that gets thrown around a lot. But you have to figure the, the same goes for uh, a setting for a physical therapist. It's going to take a while before other people in our solar system of care is going to get used to, oh yeah, PTs, they've definitely got to be here. So I like mm -hmm. that you guys are, are fighting the good fight and educating the, the, the population about what you're there and what you're, uh, why you're there and what you're there to do. So let's go back to Elise. You mentioned what you get to do. Walk us through this. For someone who doesn't work in this setting, maybe a student who's interested, uh, maybe you know, a caregiver who's taken a listen. What does physical therapy with a patient going through or surviving cancer look like? Well, Jimmy, I'm going to let you in on a little secret for okay. you and your audience is that oncology PT is not that different from every other type, every other setting of physical therapy that we know and are familiar with. The devil is in the details, and that's where things get a little more nuanced, a little more tricky compared to, you know, when say you're working with uh, patients who have undergone some kind of orthopedic surgery and are rehabbing from that or are in the hospital for any other reason. So I work with a lot of the same things that like my husband, who's an outpatient orthopedic physical therapist does. I work on weakness in different muscle groups. I work on gait abnormalities. I'm working with balance. 
There's other things, but it really comes down to why patients are having that problem. Maybe they were having these problems before they were diagnosed and they've become exacerbated with treatment, or maybe the treatment itself that the patient is undergoing or has completed caused these impairments. So right. we've talked about deconditioning, you know, fatigue, pain is a big one. I know that Scott Capozo was on the podcast previously and talked about chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. Lymphedema is a huge one. There's all kinds of different things that we have the capacity as oncology physical therapists to really impact patients positively and improve quality of life, of course, like Shai said previously, but also help them potentially tolerate their cancer treatment better and stay out of the hospital. Because if patients are able to tolerate their treatment, they're better able to finish treatment in a timely fashion, to not have to go through it an extended period of time, taking breaks because the side effects got to be too much. And ultimately, they might even be able to better survive their cancer because the treatment's more effective. And to think about it that way is so cool to yeah. think that we, with our PT knowledge and our skills, can potentially radically affect a patient's cancer treatment and maybe even survival. Yeah, we're talking about that. The, the parallel right now would be COVID-19, which is we find that, hey, people in better shape who get the virus wind up faring a little bit better. We'll have better exactly. results later when we look at the data afterward. Exactly. But I, I, you know, I don't, I don't see anybody saying actually being in better shape is not great for you. Right. So I think, I think <laughs> right. um, so walking through that, that's good. Uh, Shai, you work with, with bone marrow transplants. So, you know, something very specific and as Elise was talking and you referenced Scott Capoza coming on the show before he kind of has a dual role working in oncology, physical therapy and being a survivor himself. So he kind of knows, mm -hmm. you know, both ends of that, of that care spectrum. If you're an outpatient physical therapist and you work with athletes, you know a lot about the different surgeries they go through. You have to be an expert. Elise is talking about different types of cancer, different types of treatment for different types of cancer. Mm -hmm. And bone marrow is probably no different, right, in terms of different procedures and different reasons and different locations in the body. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, the, you know it's hard sometimes to realize um, sort of what goes on with the bone marrow transplant because what that is is it's, it's, it's a transplant done with someone else's um, – peripheral uh, blood sort of cells, right? So you take that either from that person or from somebody else. And so it's on a microscopic level. It's not like they had, an, again, like a knee replacement, a GI surgery, a head and neck surgery. It's, it's not on that big scale. It's all in the bone marrow, right? As it says in the name. Um, and so I think sometimes it's hard to see like, well, what, what happened for them to get that way? You know, why, why are they, why do they have balance deficits? Why are they weaker? Um, and I think it, you know, it's important, like, I mean, at least hit it on the head. It's, you know, we're PTs, we're good at figuring out, you know, what people's deficits are. It's not that we need to be specialists. Um, there are some things that you get um, being a specialist, you know, you, you know how to find the minutiae, what to look for specifically, but from a larger perspective, if somebody comes in, um, let's just say with a steroid myopathy, so they have peripheral mus muscle weakness or proximal muscle weakness, you can test that. That's not, that's a manual muscle test. You can figure that out and it's not tough. Um, and so I think, again, I think there's a, there's a little bit of a fear, but at the end of the day, you're a PT and you have the skills, you have the knowledge. Um, and I don't think you should shy away. And if, you know, if you have questions, that's what the Academy is, is for, right? You ask away. And part of the mentorship program with the student professionals, um, sort of a plug here, but part of what's nice about them is we have opportunities to ask questions. There's, there's a, there's a forum to ask questions on, you know, Twitter, um, and sort of weekly posts that we can discuss. And that's, that's sort of the nice thing. I think what, what I found really nice about the oncology community, which is, um, relatively small, but growing quickly is that they're so open to questions yeah. all the time, always. And I think that, you know, as PTs shouldn't shy away from someone with a diagnosis and you should always ask if you do have questions, cause we're always happy to answer. I like that. Don't shy away. I see what you did there, Shy. See what I did there? Well yeah. done. All right. So you're you're kind of referencing confidence. I mean, we're we're talking about people who maybe have some information. Maybe they're getting information from their physician or their family or Dr. Google saying, no, 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 you've got this very serious thing. And we're not downplaying how serious cancer or bone marrow mm -hmm. transplant or the need mm -hmm. is at all. But what we're saying is you might be getting some misinformation in terms of what you can or should be doing in terms of your physical activity during these treatments. How do you gain confidence from this side? 
but when I worked with a patient who had, who, who the first time I was a student, I think I was a second year student and they had said, Oh yeah, I just got over cancer about a year ago. I remember I thought, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to, I'm not touching you at all. And that was wrong. And I know that now, but then in the moment, because I think I was conditioned, right? I mean, we hear that big C as Leslie Walkie says, and we want to run away. So how do you gain confidence or where did you guys gain confidence? Because you guys come off pretty damn confident right now. Where'd you get that so other people can get it? Let me address one of the reasons I think we have so little confidence when it comes to the big C is so in, I think, day one of orthopedic, you know, physical therapy learning in PT school, we talked about red flags. Red and flag. I think everybody right now is thinking, number one red flag, cancer. You know, we heard that again and again and again, at least in my program, as we should. You know, if someone is presenting with something that doesn't make sense, then we need to make sure that they get the appropriate testing to rule out red flag conditions like cancer. But what we never got was, okay, so they have cancer. Now what? Now what? Right. And the reality is that just because a person has cancer doesn't mean that you shouldn't touch them, that you shouldn't push them, that you shouldn't treat them within the scope of our you know, expertise as movement specialists. There's some things that we might have to be aware of. And for me, I think my confidence really comes from the fact that I love these patients so much. And I think anyone that you encounter who works with patients who have or have had a cancer diagnosis are so passionate about this that we are willing and others are willing to do what it takes to learn what we need to and to find the information. If we don't have it, then we're going to go and find it so that we can come back with that patient and then formulate a appropriate treatment plan for them. And I think the willingness to go out and find this information, like Shai has been talking about, you know, from the Academy, from Twitter, the oncology PT rehab community on Twitter is outrageous. I'm on there every single day learning stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But share it. So there's Onco PT, which is one of my personal favorites. Cancer rehab is also a fabulous way to get all kinds of, you know, if you're just searching for different research and whatnot, fabulous way to get more information, but just learning, learning, learning. And I think ultimately the willingness to, if you don't know the information, then I'm going to go and find it so that I can come back and feel more comfortable treating these patients. And I think this is something that we really have to be comfortable with that we're not always going to know what's going on right away, but you can come back to it because As of now, I think in 2020 or 2025, 40% of Americans will have cancer at some point in their lifetime, which is astounding. So the patient who comes into your clinic who has low back pain or shoulder problems or is coming into the hospital for this, that, and the other might also and probably also might have a history of cancer or an active cancer diagnosis. So even if you don't identify as a oncopt or as a cancer PT or oncology PT, you are going to encounter these patients, whether you like it or not. Well said. Uh, getting information from those who are in the field. That's what, one of the suggestions that Elise kind of led with there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned uh, the academy and resources there, but how, how did you gain confidence in working with this really deserving and needed population? Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm still trying to gain some. You know, every day you, you, you see things that you just don't expect. Um, and I think that's sort of the beauty of being in healthcare, but I think being on the rehab side is um, very humbling because you work so closely and you're actually touching these patients continuously, right? You're, you're in contact. Um, for me, it was more the passion to do good for the patient. So, you know, I want them to succeed and I want them to do better. I want them to have quality and independence. And I think that for me, it's uh, maybe sometimes I, I, I have more confidence or more confidence they'll do better than they maybe will. But I think that gets them further than they ever thought they would. So coming, you know, for me, the confidence is really to get them to do better, to be better, to, to have a little more, um, I'm going to use the word fun in their life because they're able to, um, participate in their activities of daily living, whatever that may be. Uh, some things that uh, 
maybe you didn't know. I always like the surprises, the happy surprises, things that you maybe you didn't know before you started uh, working with this population uh, full time. Some things that, uh, um, you know, popped up, things creep in. You didn't expect anything come to mind when I throw that out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I for me, it's uh, you know, for me, it's when I started working bone marrow transplant, I, I was I just thought it was going to be sort of like, OK, sort of these peripheral um, peripheral neuropathies or proximal muscle weakness. And I mean, I'm seeing everything from bone mets to CNS um, lymphomas that are, you know, there's that are affecting cognition and um, presenting like strokes. I mean, I, I just never thought I'd be a partially like a neuro PT. I mean, how many times I've had to reach out to a neuro PT to figure out ways to, um, to work with patients. And I just, you know, I thought I was going to be an, an acute care BM bone marrow transplant patient. And now I'm, you know, some, some weeks I'm doing so much neuro. I'm it's like, well, maybe I want to do neuro. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's something I'm interested in too, because, you know, you just have to figure out you know, there's just so many things that pop up all the time. Yeah, you're talking about that statistic, at least in terms of 40% of the U.S. population will have cancer at some point. Uh, you're a PT who happens to be working with someone in this time frame that is going through cancer, cancer treatment, or maybe is, is past cancer treatment. So you have to be a neuro PT or an ortho PT or geriatric PT. But that's the cool part about our profession, right? You're a PT at all times. So some of that surprised you, either happy or, or, or scared you, or knocked you on your heels. What was it? I knew I wanted to be a cancer specialist what I didn't realize was how much of a generalist I have to be. And I know that's kind of an oxymoron in itself, but in working solely with patients in this cancer population, I like shy, I have to be in, I have to put on my lymphedema hat. I have to put on my orthopedic hat. I have to put on my neuro hat. Um, and one of the big things that I did not anticipate, I think originally, but I've kind of, started coming into this role a little bit is I'm, first of all, I am not a pelvic floor physical therapist. I do not have extensive training in this, but I have become such an advocate in asking patients if they're having bowel, bladder, or sexual dysfunction. And that was not something that I originally sought out to do, but I went to this awesome course and they said, you've got to, you've got to ask all your patients. I'm like, okay, well, I'll ask. And the answers I have gotten from that question, those questions and the candidness, the openness of these patients to talk about these things, because I saw a beautiful tweet. I don't remember who it was earlier this summer that said sex is an ADL. And that really put into words what I have been seeing with my patients, because take, for example, I had this older patient back in June. She's probably 78 years old and she has a diagnosis of vaginal cancer, I think. So she went through radiation. For those of you who don't know vaginal radiation, she had it brachytherapy, which means that they actually radiation inside the vagina. That causes a lot of problems, especially for having intercourse. And so I asked this patient, I said, are you having any problems having intercourse with your husband? And she right away was like, yes. Can you talk to me more about that? Wow. Yes, I can. I can refer you to somebody who can really knock your socks off with the information you're going to get. And so I think that's one of the big things for a specialist. I am surprisingly much more of a generalist than I thought I was or thought I was ever going to be. Yeah. Well, you were, you were there, you had an alliance and you asked the question and they felt comfortable enough to give you an answer. They did feel comfortable enough. And I think that is such a cool thing because we spend the time as PTs, we spend the time with these patients that they may not even get from their oncologists. You know, I'm seeing these patients, I'm in the outpatient setting for an hour at a time. I really get to know them. I really get to talk to them about stuff and they're comfortable sharing that with me. And sometimes they do not share it with the oncologist. So then I get to serve as a, a connector between the patient and the oncologist and really a lot of other specialized services within this field to get them the help that they need. Yeah, we've, we've heard that a lot in terms of uh, a lot of times PTs uh, have, have re referred to themselves as a almost a guide through the healthcare system, explaining right, right. things totally. with their own insurance or going you know, and doing the oh extra gosh, work yes. to, to do that. And uh, a lot of times it's um, it's a lot of front office workers in a, in a physician's office that, that would do it. But mm -hmm. a PT, you have this alliance where they kind of listen to you enough 
Um, you know, you mentioned uh, that tweet where sex is an ADL. Hopefully, we can uh, we can aspire to that level. Hopefully, daily would be great. Weekly, monthly, maybe yearly. Who who knows? Um, teach their own. Teach their own. <laughs> but, uh, so, if if someone out there was thinking about working in, with patients in, in bone marrow or working with patients uh, in cancer care, what's what's some things you'd prep them with? Some things maybe they haven't, they wouldn't see coming and you'd want to prepare them with. If it was a student saying, hey, I want to do my, my rotation in one of these, or hey, I'm thinking about graduating doing this, what, what would you gear them up with? Yes, go do it now. Okay, good. Awesome. Would you give them any <laughs> ammo? Would you get, hey, you know, do, would, and this can be uh, carte blanche. Is there a book they should read, a course they should take? Uh, you know, something, what would you kind of impart on them? If it was a clinician who was going to switch and they they listen to you right now saying, you know what, I'd like to work with those, with those patients, where, where should they go for more information? And of course we've mentioned the Academy of Oncologic Physical Therapy before. I mean, clearly a resource, obviously the resource, uh, anything else, you know, specifically tactically within that, any courses you've taken that you've said, Hey, this is, this, this is worth the juice is worth the squeeze on this. Yeah, I, you know, I think one course that um, I haven't taken, but I, I've been looking at for, for years to take and just haven't gotten myself out there um, is the PORI course, what it stands for, yeah. I, I don't know. But they have everything from, from general to specific. And so you start with their general course, and from there you can branch and do head, neck, lymphedema, um, uh, just everything under the sun, pelvic floor. So, you know, you can branch off after you take their general course. And I think that's a great course. Um, I'm not getting paid by them, just FYI. <laughs> but, but maybe I should. Um, but that is, that is a great, that is a great course. Um, I think a great starting point because it really, I think covers all your bases and you can go in, in any which direction, yeah. um, which is really nice. Um, yeah, that would, that would be my recommendation uh, other than, you know, trying to just read some articles. There's no better way than just trying to pick up an article and dive in and then sort of I, what I call the Google wormhole. Just, you think you find something you like and search it on Google and see where that takes you and, and, you know, read an article a day, every other day, try to find time for yourself. I like it. Elise, what do you think? What's one thing you'd uh, have someone tactically do if they were going to work, uh, work with these patients? Tactically, um, I am going to plug myself here, but I am the host of the OncoPT podcast where go. we talk all things oncology PT all the time, every day. Um, I bring on some really dynamic guests all the way from, of course, fellow oncology PTs to students to actually I have my first breast surgeon on. I have some patient stories on there, but really, really good stuff that gives you these very digestible chunks of audio that you can take and then immediately start implementing with patients. And you don't have to be an expert. You know, the stuff I'm talking about is designed to take you from being a complete novice, no experience whatsoever to where you feel comfortable, confident and competent working with these patients. Ooh, I like that line. You should lead Excellent. off every episode with that comfortable, competent. I do huh? actually. <laughs> I was waiting for you to bring up the show. Um, I, I like when I talk to physical therapists who've taken the jump. I wasn't necessarily nervous about hosting a show, but I'd also hosted radio shows for 15 years before becoming a physical therapist. Mm How -hmm. did you take that jump when you were like, you know what? I've got enough things that I want to learn and share because I feel like I learned something with every episode. Um, taking that jump and actually turning the microphone on, what made you decide to do that as a PT? So the big catalyst for me was when I was looking for a job in oncology physical therapy. So last year of school, and I actually went to CSM. This was a few years after CSM I referred to previously. But I, you know, after each course, they get up and they're like, if you'd like more information about blah, blah section, then please come visit our booth. You know, we have information about jobs. Boom, see you there. So I went down and I, uh, you know, talked to one of the PTs at the booth. And this was before a lot of the stuff that has started happening with the student and new professional group was a thing. So this was a couple years ago. And I asked about a job and the person I talked to said, well, you got to move to New York. Well, I'm in Texas. I don't know if you know that. Um, far away from each other. Uh, there, it's a little bit of a commute. And I just wasn't willing to make the commute. Well, why were they so saying said, that? So Memorial Sloan Kettering uh, was the no. facility they were working, um, referring to and said, oh, you have to go work there. I'm like, no, I'd really like to stay in Texas because there's people in Texas who need it. I said, you got to go to Houston to MD Anderson. It's like, right. But I'm in Fort Worth, which is not in Houston. Again, too far of a commute for me. And I had people in my backyard I knew who needed help. And so really frustrated by that 
but you got to go out of state. You got to go out of town to treat these patients. I said, nope, this isn't good enough. And I took my love of listening to podcasts and I said, I'm going to make this thing. And so I launched in. That's kind of what I said. I was like, listen, you just record stuff and put it on the internet and see what happens, which is not exactly the full story, but it's close. Pretty much it. It's close. And so I've been running with it for almost two years and I, I love it. I didn't know how much I would love it really. Good. I like, I like hearing that, um, you know, people want to reach out to me and asking, how do I, how do I get started? And I fight club people actually. I, I like I like throw it back. I'm like, I don't think you're committed enough. And and the ones that come back two or three times. If, if oh, you, nice. Nice. I want to weed that out because, you know, I, I have no problem spending some time helping some people launch a show. But I don't want to I don't want to, you know, spend a couple hours talking to that person, have them record two episodes and be like, ah, too much. Not for me. Right. Yeah. The average is about nine. The average podcast that is launched doesn't make it past episode number nine. So if you I get 10, heard that. I heard you get double that. digits. That's when you know you're legit. But I think, you know, and someone asked me, I think we were on the uh, University of Lynchburg um, PT program had us on. And one of the students asked a question and she said, do you think you have any competition as a PT podcaster? And I said, no. And they were like, ooh, gross. (laughs) Like, that means you think you're the best. And I was like, no, I think there is enough information out there that if I podcasted every minute of every day for the rest of my life, I still wouldn't cover it. So I look at every podcast that pops up as proof of concept that people like listening to audio. And I can only ask the questions that will pop into my head or I can react to that. I can't ask the cancer specific questions that Elise can on the Onco PT podcast. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. Even if I tried, I don't look at your podcast as competition to mine. I look at them as, as supplements. Look at this. You can listen to both and go, oh, like if someone's listening to my show right now and they're going, I'd like more cancer information. Well, I pretty much gave you all I can from Shy and Elise in, <laughs> in, in one beer in 37 minutes as we're here. But by the way, go listen to her show and you can get more. So right. I love the fact that PTs are grabbing a microphone, grabbing a keyboard, writing a blog, or you know, doing TikTok videos or Instagram or YouTube. Like to me, as a guy from a, with a degree in communications, this is literally just taking patient education or clinician inf- uh, con- uh, education and mm-hmm. sharing it in different mediums. I mean, I know it's like technological. We've got buttons and we got headsets and whatnot. It's still spoken word. It's still written word. It's still moving pictures and video. It's all it is. You know, and it's just another way that, pay, you know, I say patience, but it's just another way that people can really learn. You know, I'm really not normally an auditory learner, but I find that podcasting is really effective for me. And I had this conversation with someone else actually within the cancer realm who's looking to start their own podcast. And, you know, I mean, I've interviewed Shy on my podcast twice, and I feel like we still haven't even covered all the information that we want to. And so, you know, we're working on getting him back on the podcast again. (laughs) Hey, Shai, here's another open invitation. But, you know, there's so much out there that we haven't even tapped into yet. If you've been to a conference and you've been to the social hour, happy hour, um, when PTs get together, we would talk about, talk about PT. And like, if we actually ever were going to run out of material to bring on a podcast, physical therapy or non-physical therapy related, it would mean we'd had nothing to talk about at happy hours. And that never happens. No one's ever like, oh, it's just too many happy hours out there. <laughs> and that's actually how this podcast started. I was a second year student and was at a conference, saw somebody on stage. And I was like, that sounds cool. But I didn't really understand any of the things he was saying. Started drinking a beer. Next thing you know, I understood everything. And I was like, yo, I used to interview rock stars. I could do this. Like, this is fun. And I'll learn stuff. And it saved me money because I never had to buy people's books. I would just call them and be like, hey, how about I interview for a half hour with you here? Smart. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> uh, you work a lot with, uh, with social media. We talked about that on the top of the show. Um, trends seem to emerge, right? And then things come in. We call them news cycles or they become buzz, you know, buzzwords and buzzfeeds. Um, what's, what's out there in oncology, physical therapy right now that, that, that's kind of going around and making the rounds since you kind of have your eye and your, and your hand, your finger on the pulse? Um, uh, you know, a big one now is, um, survivorship and access to care. So what's survivor, what survivorship mean? I don't want to just assume I know. So survivorship is essentially, and at least touched on it in the beginning of the show, but it's sort of that continuation of care, um, after treatment. Um, and so once treatment is done that, that the sort of the, as you're alive and your, your treatment is done the, the rest of your life, right? So what you're doing after treatment, um, lots of things can happen once treatment is finished. 
you get chemo, you get radiation, you go home, it's not over. You know, that fatigue, um, effects from radiation, uh, like Elise touched on, um, sexual deficits, uh, lots of things can happen after treatment. So it's that the rest of your life and functioning at, at, at the highest level in the, in the best way possible. And so survivorship is, is that continuation of, um, from a physical therapy perspective, that sort of that continuation of care and addressing those deficits when they arise. Um, you know, one, after you get, um, sort of, uh, breast cancer surgery, and Elise can definitely touch on this, um, you know, lymphedema is one of those side effects that, you know, your treatment is probably done, but that affects you the rest of your life and, and you are a survivor. Um, and so that, that I think is, is a big one that's happening right now, primarily obviously because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and we've got an episode coming up next, uh, tomorrow, uh, next week about long haul syndrome and long haul effects after mm-hmm. COVID, which is, yeah. I mean, everything you just described awesome. there, shy, which was like, what's going to happen after, how's this going to affect everything after that's PT. And you know, who I, who I learned from, um, in terms of sort of this survivorship concept was an ICU PT and, and my mentor in the, in the ICU, you know, when people leave the ICU, things aren't done and, and your, your life has changed forever. No, no matter what happens in the ICU. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there's a very big carryover for me from that transition from ICU care to, to cancer care. Um, and I think, you know, right now, I think access to care is huge. Um, and, you know, trials and, um, you know, people, when COVID first started sort of like the March, April um, timeframe, you know, they were stopping trials for a little bit and people wouldn't have access. Um, I had a patient recently, unfortunately, who, whose uh, bone marrow donor got COVID and she couldn't get her transplant. And so, you know, these things are, are they're happening right in front of us. Um, and, unfo- and, you know, it's not to bring it to a morbid place, but I think it's important from a PT perspective that, you know, we, we have, and at least and I've been having this the whole episode, like we have the opportunity to make these patients happy and excited to live. You know, it's their, their treatments are, are not fun and they're not, they're not going to be happy doing that, but to get them back to things they love is the exciting part of PT. And that's, I think, um, I think that's, that's what we can bring to the table. I love that. At least you're just nodding. You're just like nodding. Uh, Just just all, all the praise hands, you know? And I think again, shy brings up such a good point in my area. So in the Fort Worth, Dallas area, one of the big things that I have heard from multiple practitioners is early on when things were shutting down due to COVID in March and April, one of the things that stopped in some practices, not in all practices, is actual breast cancer removal surgery. So mastectomies, lumpectomies, what have you. What that meant was some patients who were candidates were put on a type of medication that is proven to be okay if you have to delay surgery for whatever reason. So there's this mini cohort of patients who had surgery delayed. And ideally on this medication, they wouldn't have progression. Everything would be fine. They would do surgery later. There is a subset of that cohort that actually progressed. So we have gone from having you know, early stage breast cancer to now they have more advanced stage breast cancer, meaning they need more treatment. We are now running against the clock to try and prevent further progression to try to limit the impairments that patients might face as a part of that. So we're dealing with potentially patients who have more advanced cancers, more aggressive cancers that weren't dealt with early on like they would have been in non-pandemic times. And we are going to be seeing the ramifications of this for years to come. Right. And we that's a, that's a reality. And that's something that we as PTs have to be ready for because we will be working with these patients. Yeah, things you need to be aware of, things you need to pay attention to. So you're treating a person and that person went through an experience. So this is right yes. where we need to be. Um, got a tradition on the show. I do want to flash your, uh, your, your handles and, and whatnot. I paused there on flash there. I didn't mean to, uh, I want to make sure people can, can, uh, can connect with you. So Elise, it's at the Onco PT on uh, Twitter and, uh, S underscore Sewell underscore PT. I like the multiple underscores. It's always good. Shy, uh, tradition on the show is, uh, we're going to do three, uh, three questions. You ready to do three questions? Yep. Let's do that. (laughs) 
Three questions brought to you by our friends from Arius Medical Staffing. Mention them at the top of the show. Leaders in uh, travel physical therapy. Things are starting to open up. Positions. Well, talking about the importance of physical therapists needed everywhere. Uh, A-U-R-A-U-S-Medical.com. Hashtag travel PT. Was talking with a couple PTs on the show just every day. They went as a travel. Did you know there are travel buddies? Don't necessarily <gasps> oh, that's so PT. fun. That's cool. They'll try to find you positions close to each other, near each other. It could be, I've, I've heard, nurse and a PT or a PT and an OT or whatever. Oh, you can do that. Cool. They went to Alaska. So, I mean, if you're like, hey, what if I could do, I mean, you did clinical rotations all over the place. What if you did like a job for three months, which might turn into a long job, but do it somewhere cool. Instead of moving somewhere, test drive it. Get paid to go there and be like, you know what? No, I didn't, I didn't want to move here. But uh, do it. Now you can do that. Uh, A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com. Go there. See what's available. A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com. Three questions. First question, we'll go with Elise and then Shy. Uh, first question is a where question. If you could go anywhere, you're in Texas, but if you can go anywhere for three months in the uh, 50 U.S., where would you go? I would like to go to Napa Valley. I really like wine. And yeah. they've got some pretty good wine there. they got wine. A lot of it. Shy, what are, where are you going? Anywhere in the 50? Montana. Yeah. Go on Montana. Ooh. Love love the mountains, biking, yeah. running, skiing. Some big like Ings. Uh, I like Ings. A lot of big sky country up there. Second question is a what question? What's something you've read, uh, watched, listened to? A book, podcast, movie, quote, whatever that you think the audience could get value from? Go watch Wonder Woman. You'll be inspired every time you watch it. Boom. Shy, what do you think? Um, well, right now I'm reading Born to Run, and that's oh, that's yeah. inspiring me personally. I, I just just loving sort of that that mental component, and it's a it's a cool book, and yeah. Did you jump into the evolutionary biology stuff, the dude from Harvard and stuff like that's I wound up reaching out to him while I was a PT student for a quote. Oh, or I wound up taking nice. Born to Run and, and writing like so uh, you know like a a paper in some in, I think in ortho, and I reached out to him, and he wrote me back like the same Sweet. day. Wow. And he was like, sure. And like, gave me like a legit response. I was like, wow, you're nice. like, I'm like reading a book and you're in it. And you're like, like yeah. <laughs> evolutionary biology at Harvard. You wrote me an email. Super cool. Uh, third question is a who question. Who is someone the audience should know more about? I'll start. Um, this guy named Sieran Fairman. I think it's at C-I-A-R-A-N-F-A-I-R-M-A-N. Sieran Fairman. And he's a exercise physiologist. And for me personally, he's doing amazing stuff. Um, he's, you know, his background is strength training, but he's um, into oncology rehab and cancer rehab. And he just delves into that biological component, which is sort of just like that sort of little thing that I love to research, even though it's not my background. And so I love that biological component of um, exercise physiology as it pertains to, to yeah, cancer. It's rabbit holy, man. It's fun to yeah. jump into those love rabbit holes. Yeah. Uh, who? Elise, who? Who should the audience know more about? Dr. Uchenna Osai. So her handle, I don't know her handle exactly, but it's UC Logic, like UC Logic. And she, her kind of uh, like little line is sex ed for grown folk. And it is so wonderful because it really talks about lots of different issues related to sexual dysfunction in a really important way that makes people feel comfortable talking about it and that can open up conversations between them and their healthcare providers, which I found, as I've mentioned previously, really useful when it comes to working with patients who have these problems as a result of their cancer treatment or yeah. even had and became exacerbated because of their cancer treatment. Important that the provider doesn't know about it, they can't help. And also exactly. the providers need to be educated about it so they can help and they didn't exactly. know how to facilitate that conversation. So uh, exactly. you, uh, you, uh, UC is uh, is great. We're going to get it on the show. Uh, you're off the hot seat. That's three questions again from our friends at Arius Medical Staffing, A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com. We wrap up, no pressure, with the parting shot. Let's do that one. Parting Shot is brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. If you're going to level up your ortho game, do it with uh, orthopt.org. We just uh, we just had some people from the uh, Academy on talking about uh, tissue tolerance, the running athlete, uh, current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. They're having some sales as well. So if you're using this downtime, pandemic downtime, 
with the air quotes. Uh, level up your game. So check it online at uh, orthopt.org. We're going to have another contest running pretty soon with those guys. Doing some different stuff behind the scenes. There's more coming with the Academy. Uh, so parting shot is your last chance for a mic drop moment. It's just whatever you'd want to leave with the audience as they go forth as we wrap the episode up. Who wants to go first? No pressure. All right. Shai's pointing at me, so I'll right, go, go first. These patients are not scary. They need you. Yes, you listening, the PT or PT or PTA student, you know, students out there, you know what you need to know to start helping these patients. So get out there and start helping them now. And if you want more help, then come find me. I'm more than happy to talk to you about it. Boom. And if they don't ask, at least we'll come find you. I will come find you. That's right. She kind of has the look in her eyes. Just like I found Shy. That's <laughs> right. She did. <laughs> Parting shot. What do you got for us? Um, come with confidence. Come with energy. These patients, all patients, require your energy, your smile, um, your enthusiasm. And that's, that's really what's going to get them better, secondary to your knowledge. Maybe primary to your knowledge is them buying into how much energy and, and enjoyment you have behind your job to help them improve their quality of life. And I think that is the most important thing you can really bring to the table when you meet that patient for the first time. I love it. Thanks to our friends from Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PCs looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the equipment you need to apply properly in clinical practice. Almost did that on one breath. Uh, make sure you take a listen to the Onco PT podcast. Uh, make sure you follow the Academy of Oncologic Physical Therapy on social media for more information about this population. Even if you're not considering yourself an oncology physical therapist, you're a physical therapist. People get cancer and you mm -hmm. should know about it because PTs are supposed to be smart. So be smart. Uh, Shy Elise, not the last time we'll have you on the show. Thanks so much for your time and insight. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure.